Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm just going to start off literally by introducing my, my panel. So I've got Cheryl Taylor on the left, who's essentially responsible for um, deciding what the BBC makes in, in, the, in the children's space. Um, next to her, we have Stu, Stu Rosen. Um, he's responsible for where it goes, uh, where you see it, where you discover it, uh, where you watch it. Um, and then we have Lucy McLean on, the, on, on my left here, who's responsible for apps, uh, games, websites, uh, and all of that fun stuff as well. So I think covering all the major bases, um, we're going to now go to a quick showreel, um, really explain the diversity of, of BBC of Children's content, uh, and then we're going to go into the session proper. I really enjoy watching all of your shows. speaking to tell me it's about showing that Manchester is strong and united. My turn. Great stuff there. A lot of lot of interesting different types of genres. Um, I think probably let's start off with an easy question. Um, the bigger, better strategy. Um, some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you probably don't know too much about bigger, better. Um, can you just explain what that is? Yep, it's actually fewer, bigger, better, um, which is quite a mouthful, isn't it? Maybe just bigger, better. Um, yes, as. Um, you all saw from that, that lovely showreel that was put together by a great interactive team. Um, we do a lot of stuff and um, 
we, we want to do many things because um, the BBC, as a public service broadcaster, um, are passionate about giving a balanced diet of content to kids, 0 to 12, and now in the recent months, 13 to 16 as well. Um, but we do a lot of different things across a lot of different platforms. And as consumption habits have changed, we realise that in order for this great content to cut through, we just need to make it more visible. And that means doing some stuff in greater volume. Um, and as we haven't got the money to keep everything, if we do some things with greater volume, we have to lose other things. Um, so that on our platforms, on iPlayer, on YouTube, um, people will notice us. And as we've also got our new head of discovery, Stuart here, the fewer, bigger, better strategy obviously conforms to his mm. plans. Might be worth just yeah, and those now, Stu. And, and I think that, that's the interesting thing is, is looking across it and saying, um, what are our priority brands and how do we make them as big as we possibly can? Because, you know, it, it's really easy to just have a plethora of titles that you're desperately trying to do everything with, but actually you just end up kind of flooding the flooding the, the market or flooding the internet or the TV schedules or whatever it, whatever it might be. But I think to have that real sense of focus and go, right, okay, we've got X amount of things that we really want to, to push out there and try and own, um, just in, enables us to sort of have more focus, more clarity and, and to have a greater impact fundamentally. I think, Cheryl, you said you're doing 400 hours of CBBC a year. 400 hours. We, we our service license, um, is such that we, yes, we are regulated to provide 400 hours of content on CBBC and 100 hours for CBBS. That's originations per year. So, of course, when we're thinking about fewer, bigger, better, we have to think about that because, obviously, as I said, we have a finite amount of money. So I couldn't go off, for example, and commission 400 hours of drama because um, I just wouldn't have enough money. I could probably, you know, if it was just going to be drama, it, it, that would use up all of our cash in a very short space of time. So we can't, in a sense, the few big best strategy, it's, it's something that we have to think about very carefully. So alongside the drama and the great entertainment, um, obviously we want factual shows. Um, we will be looking for really good lower cost shows because that does mean, for example, that we might have a few more episodes of a great drama like The Dumping Ground or Jamie Johnson. Um, but in a sense, it's fantastic, the service licence, because as Alice often says, it keeps us honest. So it means that we fulfil our brief, which is, you know, to de deliver multi-genre um, content to our and within, within those 500 hours, do you have you know, a percentage you allocate to certain formats, certain genres? Not, I mean, roughly speaking, over the years, it's, it kind of remains about the same. But um, as we go to fewer, bigger, better, we're tilting a little bit more towards drama because we know that's a, a really big seller on both channels. The drama is very, very popular. Um, but as I say, there's only really a, a, a series or two that we can do in that regard before we start to look a bit kind of mean down on the, the factual and the fat dent side. So it's just a bit of a balancing act. Okay. Um, and, and as you know, I don't know if you've seen, but this morning we've announced um, new content for the 13 to 16 year olds, which is going to be playing out on iPlayer. Um, and that stretches our budgets even further, although, um, you know, brilliantly, we've been given a certain amount to cater for that audience. Um, we've just got to be very careful about not robbing Peter to pay Paul in that regard. Do you, do you want to say a bit more about that 13 to 16 year old? Because I think it's interesting about your, your strategy in terms of where you're putting that content. 
and, and the accessibility. Yes. Sort of a, so a you and Stu question. I'm going to hand to Stu in just a sec to talk about that because that visibility is really key here. Um, essentially, we realise that, that you know kids are sort of watching kind of CBBC and then there's a bit of a gap before they're going into BBC Three, and that's a really important time of their lives. You know, it's rites of passage and coming of age, and there are things that we'd really like to make for that audience, and you don't, you just don't often see teenagers on the BBC, and some of those subject matters we can't address on CBBC because of our 6 to 12 remit. Now, in the past, I think we've done really, really well in offering a, a, a popular and broad appeal set of shows. Um, obviously, you get shows like Creeped Out, which veer towards the older end, and Bear Behaving Badly, for example, which obviously the 6 to 7-year-olds would like, but um, there are some things that teenagers or even, you know, 11, 12-year-olds, to be honest, are interested in that we want to talk about, whether that's sex, whether that's, you know, driving, relationships, all that kind of thing, we couldn't put on the channel. So this new um, kind of slate, really, of 13 to 6 years will be published on the iPlayer. Um, and, uh, yeah, Stu can talk a bit more about that and what that means. Yeah, and I think it's the, the first time for us where we're commissioning content, Cheryl's commissioning content, where we don't actually have a channel for it, you know, in the sense of Starting. where it would naturally go. Um, and discoverability is, is, you know, is clearly an issue basically as soon as kids get a mobile phone these days. But that, that 12 to 16 um, area is a fascinating one for us around our iPlayer strategy. So fundamentally, because um, iPlayer now has an under-13s homepage, so if you're signed in, you get a specific homepage for under-13s. We'll be rolling out soon a 13 to 15-year-old um, personalised homepage. So, you know, 13-year-old um, Tim Collins signs in and gets a, a, specific, a specific page, which is different to, you know, what 40-year-old Stu Rosa might get. And that's exactly what we need, because we don't want them to be accessing Peaky Blinders or whatever. What it then did, gives us the ability to do is, is to take all these teen commissions and really push them to the right people. Now, that you know, we know full well that 22-year-olds might like it, 30-year-olds might like it, but we can really specifically target the right audience with the right piece of content. Whereas, you know, in, in that sense of what iPlayer has traditionally been, is just sort of, you put everything there and hope that people go into the categories and, and, and find the stuff. And it becomes almost too general. But the more we go down to sort of segmenting that audience, the more we can really then target the right people with the right kind of content. And for us, it's about um, the, the challenge of turning iPlayer from that on-demand thing where people drop in, watch EastEnders and then go away again to actually being like a mm. default video destination where you can go and you can, you can just spend hours watching great content. Because we've got hours upon hours upon hours of mm. great content, but we know that discover, discoverability is an issue. Yet when kids find it, 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 it sort of scores really well in the AIs. Yeah. And, in, and just to bring Lucy in, um, in terms of that focus in different age groups, we'd already started that work, haven't we, in the, with the kids iPlayer app. Absolutely. Yeah, that's performing really, really well for these younger kids. Mm. It just keeps growing. Good. Um, another question about content, and I guess it's a simple one. Um, what, are you, what are you looking at in the next sort of 18 months? Probably, so it's a question for everybody. Um, well, it might be worth going to, Lu to Lucy first in yeah. terms of product, because I know it's mm. always interesting to think about. The, you saw um, on the showreel the new Buzz app, for example, and the type of thing that maybe the gathered people here can get involved in. Yeah, so a couple of things that I think are going really well. So you saw Playtime Island, which is our main CBB's new release there. That's going from strength to strength and there are opportunities to continue to create content for that. I'll talk a little bit in a sec about how you can do that. Um, and when I was here last year, I talked about lots of opportunities we'd opened up to create more products with the extra investment. So we have two more CBB's apps 
we're bringing uh, to life over the next nine months. They're absolutely beautiful. And again, there are opportunities for people to create lovely content for those as well. Um, Michelle mentioned we launched CBBC Buzz a couple of months ago. That was quite a, you know, quite, quite a different thing from us. When we've launched uh, apps for CBBC Age before, it's been games. I think we do games really, really well. Buzz was a chance to try something else, thinking about how kids are using short form content um, and we launched that app not really knowing how it was going to go down, what was going to work. So we kind of filled it with lots of different content types and kind of sat back for the first two weeks and just saw what was happening. And there are a number of challenges in it. So every day we'll set a challenge and say, you know, draw a picture of what you've had for your dinner, draw, draw, draw eyebrows on Gary Lineker, this kind of stuff. And things where children can create and make and send in are outperforming everything else absolutely enormously. We've had more than 300,000 pieces of content send in oh, wow. and crucially moderated by a human. So we don't put anything into the app that hasn't been moderated by you know, a qualified moderator. Um, and that itself is creating content. So you start to tip the balance. What, what content do we create? What content do the kids create? And I think at first we assumed, because we were content creators, that we would be the ones creating most of the content. And we were starting to see the balance tip a little bit. Mm. which is really, really interesting. It's been fascinating. So we're still continually watching it, thinking about how much content we make, what the kids expect from it, how they navigate around it, and improving it. So that's been really, really interesting. Um, and games as well. Games are a huge area where we'll continue to invest and, and grow. We've got a really big, ambitious game that starts to help kids work together in a game. So starting to think about that kind of social element that we see in a lot of the, kind of the, the really big, well-performing games. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're trying some new things this year and we're really excited. Okay, can I, I come from a sort of commercial background, so in terms of if there are producers in the room and they're thinking, okay, we want to work with you, how, how would the economics of that sort of work? If they've got some great ideas, are, they, are you funding these, uh, these apps uh, or are you looking for sort of partners? What's the sort of business model on that? The way it works is that we work with companies absolutely all over the place in, in different ways. We might outsource the, the, the full build of an app. So um, CBBC Buzz was built by Chunk in Glasgow. Um, for Playtime Island, we own the shell of the app. So my, my engineering team builds and maintains that shell. And what we commission is the content that goes in that. We give you guidance on how to work with our shell environment, mm -hmm. um, what technologies to use, and then you, you so it, it gets plugged in. Yeah. Um, I think I'll admit that I think it's been quite hard to work with this in the past. Some of the paperwork and process that we've had have made it quite quite expensive and quite time consuming to work with this. So over the last few months, we've done some sessions with agencies and, and game developers and listened to where the pain points are. Um, and at the moment, we are, we've just opened up uh, a chance to be part of a new games roster, which we've launched. So we're looking for up to about 15 companies who will be our main providers for the next couple of years of HTML5 games. That's games that will go on our website and our app. Um, a really good, juicy range of opportunities over the next couple of years. Um, so if you're not already aware of that and are interested in it, please have a look on the Bravo website um, because that's going to be where a lot of good, interesting work will be available. And I think the, the overhead of pitching for it will be much lower than it's been in the past. Okay. And in terms of actual kind of video content, um, as Lucy was describing, because um, the, the Buzz app, um, you, you know, eats content, basically. And a lot of that, because it's responsive, is made by the core teams in-house across our short form and social teams. But we have um, also commissioned um, some really great kind of short form sketches, really. There's a thing called You Be The Judge that goes out and a hilarious thing called Potato Party coming soon. Um, so there are opportunities for relatively low cost, but high volume mm. ideas that can feed that app. Um, and in terms of long form, 
um, just to say that we're very diligent about putting out our development opportunities on our website. So these have just been changed, they're fresh um, uh, kind of news on there. So do sign up to that. And um, we also have um, a newsletter that gets sent out. And if people visit the website, they'll find details about how they can contact us and get put on that mailing list. So you can hear all about kind of what, what shows have been working well, what we're looking for, and any gatherings that we're arranging which might be of interest to indies. Um, and as I say, all the development opportunities are up there, but just, just in brief, just to give, give you a few, a few things to think about. Um, we've recently started commissioning rounds, and in the first commissioning round that was done earlier in the year, we got something like 234 submissions, which is a huge number. So we got deluged, basically, and it all took a long time to process. And it was a delightful experience because people worked really hard. And as ever, the ideas coming through it are very strong, really great stealth learning opportunities for both channels, which is you know, one of our USPs. Um, but it did mean that we had a lot to look at. And we, you know, we stopped up, essentially, um, really for the next 18 months, especially in drama. However, um, one of the things that Stu was thinking about, and I know he's going to talk a bit more about positioning an iPlayer later, but, but because we're growing iPlayer as a destination, um, one of the things he was thinking about was, for example, short runs of dramas that we can, in a sense, build stunts around. So in the drama category, um, we're going to be looking in the next 18 months for three or four um, short run dramas, maybe three episodes or five episodes. Um, because they do work really well for us. And if you, if you haven't seen Katie, which, which there was a clip of that there, and also Joe All Alone, um, you can find those on iPlayer, and they're really good examples of kind of three and five episode dramas that made a, a really big in impact and are really useful because, you know, despite our few bigger, better policy, we do try to cover everything and reflect mm. all of the UK's children's lives as much as we can. So this is a great way of covering off niche areas um, in a genre that we know our audience finds really accessible. So I think for CBBC, those would be a great thing. I think on, on CBeebies, um, again, always watch the channel. No, none of you can have missed um, Waffle, Apple Tree House, and previously Topsy and Tim. Really great live action drama that, that has um, kind of made a massive impact, I think, for that age group, and I think has also drawn quite a lot of audience from CBBC as well. So although Waffle's really going strong, and in a few a bigger better way, we've commissioned two series. Um, that's one quite good example of, of something that hasn't really been done previously. But what's the next iteration of Waffle, you know, for CBeebies? Um, in entertainment, um, again, we're always looking for females, shiny floor. We have a lot of the Dick and Doms, the Salmon Marks, as you know, who could be our new entertainment duo on CBBC. Uh, there was a wonderful thing that was made um, called Daydreaming that went out on iPlay again, and a long-form experiment um, narrated by Olivia Coleman, a mood management um, piece that, again, attracted a lot of attention in the press and, and did really well. So I think for CBeebies, mood management for preschoolers is a really interesting area to look at. Um, and I think also a cooking show or a making show that involved parents a kind of warm family vibe mm -hmm. to something where they can all make and do together, which is, I think, something that, that we don't have. Um, and, and I think on CBBC, one of the general things to say is that, that 
more and more we're using influencers. So in some of the CBB shows, you'll see people like Holly H, we've got Ali A coming working on CBBC and also on the new stuff. Um, and we're really keen, if, if you bring us a great personality, um, we're always keen to, to think about what show could we build around that personality. So, you, you know, you look at Operation Ouch and that's so much to do with Chris and Sand. Do you know on CBBS is so much to do with Maddie Moat. So, you know, they're, they're hard to find these, these people and they're very valuable, the Justins and the, and the Andes. You know, they're, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful assets um, for our output. So always worth thinking about who, who are the kids looking at and who can be their new, new role models. And I'm not going to list everything because it will just take all day, but do go to the website and it's clearly laid out exactly what the um, development opportunities are. Just, just one question about animation. Um, where, where's that in your sort of head going forward? Is a um, animation is key. Um, and as you know, um, as well as all of the live action um, commissions that we make. Uh, we have a brilliant acquisitions department led by Jackie Edwards, who's here in the audience. Give us a wave, Jackie. Mm -hmm. There she is. Um, and Jackie looks after all of the animation for both CBBS and CBBC. So if you've got a great animation idea, do send it to her and her team first. But of course, you know, um, you just have to look at, well, you saw again that fantastic Bing clip um, and how the stick song was adopted as the kick kick song for the World Club and it's still going strong. So um, across the board, an animation plays a massive part for us, and in particular, obviously, for the preschoolers, but we've got great things like The Deep and, and Dennis the Menace as well on CBC, so it's, it's key. And we always want the best ideas for animation to, to come to us first, please. So open door. And a session later on to meet them face to face. Um, Stu, you came from sport. Yep. Um, Thoughts on, you know, you've been here, what, six months in this, in this role? Yeah, six months on Sunday. Um, it's a bit bizarre, isn't it? Um, <laughs> first thoughts, I'm still quite fuzzy from the penalty shootout last night, so I haven't quite <laughs> let I, my... I'll tell you what happened. Did I haven't quite let my... I haven't quite lost my sport roots. Um, <laughs> you, I, I think the single biggest thing that stands out for me between children's and sports, and um, without uh, denigrating any my former colleagues in sport, is is the creativity of children's, I think. Because, you know, the, I've worked a lot in, in news and sport down the years, um, but you are fundamentally kind of trying to find creative ways to cover things that are already happening. Um, but in children's, it's largely just stuff that somebody's made up. Um, and, you know, and I think it's really easy to sort of take that huge level of creativity for granted. You know, so my, I've got three kids, 19, 17 and 12, so I've spent the last best part of the 20 years of my life watching CBBS or CBBC to, to some extent. Um, but you kind of take for granted the impact that that has on your life and your childhood and, 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 and sort of, you know, your friends and, and those around you. And I think coming in and seeing just the immense level of creativity around programmes and all of the content that goes on, um, so that, that's kind of made it quite difficult in a sense of going, right, okay, fewer, bigger, better. So this is a brilliantly creative place, but can we just calm some of it down a little mm. bit? Um, so, you know, we've, we've done a lot of really focusing in on um, not just what we know makes real impact, um, but also how do we have that sort of, if you like, the, the, the thing that Cheryl talked about is the texture of our output. Because if we were just chasing numbers, actually we'd do things far differently. You know, the, uh, there's a lot of what we do that we don't do just because we know it will get a huge audience or we know it will um, sort of get big numbers online or whatever. So I think for me, it's, it's how now do we, do we look at, right, okay, we've got this brilliant creative force right across our division. I, I think it's, a, you know, it's the best in the UK, probably the best in the world. How do we now really focus that and hone that in so that we are m making 
as good a public service impact as we possibly can. Because I think as soon as we start talking about the world of you know, digital or social media or iPlayer and everything else, because you've got so much data and so many stats coming out, you get really excited when the numbers are big. But there's, there's got to be a bit more about it than that. You know, we can't just go, brilliant, we had 400,000 people watch this thing or whatever it was. There has to be a greater level of, of sort of, um, of depth behind you, why you're doing what you're doing and whether or not it's UGC with it, was that, whatever it might be. Well, what, what, do you, what do you think the next, well, you know, next, simply sitting down here next time, next year, yep. what, what, what do you hope to have achieved? Um, good question. Your, your I, I think I've kind of um, spent the last... Apart from winning the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of, kind of spent the last four or five months trying to work out what we should do in my area. Um, we've got to the stage now where we're very focused about what we want to do and how we might restructure the department, how we will be really focused on each individual platform. And again, I think it, it's because everybody in this industry just keeps saying we need to do digital, we need to do digital, probably without being as clear about what it actually is, is now to say, right, okay, our apps are for this, iPlayer is for that, you know, and just being really specific about what works. Um, and then really focusing in on it because, you know, I, I, I sort of get the sense that, you know, the people who are new to digital think that the world of digital is new. Um, but we do know what works in a lot of those spaces and just focusing in on that because fundamentally kids haven't changed. I was just sort of saying to Lucy before we started that, you know, kids like stories and songs and they like making stuff. It's just that they don't use sticky back plastic to make stuff now. They're, they do a video on Musical.ly or whatever it might be. So, you know, just focusing in on what our core strengths are putting them in the right place at the, and at the right time around mood management and on the right device and all that sort of stuff. I think in a year's time you'll see um, a far clearer strategy around what we're doing in all of those individual spaces. Um, and I would hope that you know, we're seeing um, a far different iPlayer product around the children's space. So you know, we, we are looking at how do we start releasing stuff in, a, in almost in an iPlayer first way now, so more box sets. What is the level of depth that we can add on that, you know, around children's content and maybe some of our archive and, and some of the, the programs that we're not quite able to surface as well on the channel as we'd like to. Um, but then, you know, things like the news, so Newsround has just got a new website. We, we know that Newsround could be a huge player for us. Um, there'd be two new apps by then, sort of go explore uh, and go create around the sort of the CBeebies age. So there's, there's a load of things coming down the line that will both push up the numbers, which is obviously, we, you know, we want as big an audience as possible, but also really drive the engagement and, and, and kind of, Im if you like, improve the impact of the quality um, that we have on kids' lives. Okay. Um, Lucy, um, question here. Moving the dial in terms of games and apps. So, I mean, you're not trying to compete with you know, electronic arts and, and people like that, but, I mean, are you, are you looking to... How, how are you looking to sort of, you know, increase audiences or, or players or, or downloads? Are you, I mean, are you, are you setting yourself some objectives here? Or? Back to your assertion that we're not competing. I think we are. Okay. Children have got a, a fixed amount of time in a day to spend with their favourite devices. So we're in competition with Fortnite and Facebook and Instagram. So we have to make sure we've got really exciting, compelling things that they want. Obviously, it's much easier at a younger age because it's the parent that controls the device to the to access to the device. And building a strong relationship with the CBeebies brand with a parent is a really key way to get our apps out there. Um, but as soon as kids have you know, more control over access to the app store and games consoles, it's much harder. So making sure we can make the best things we can is really important. Um, Stu mentioned earlier personalization. I think this is key. Mm. Children have got used to products um, 
like YouTube and Netflix bringing stuff to them. They don't have to go and find it anymore. And we have, we have a huge amount of stuff that, that we make and helping children make sense of that is, is really important. So from an app like Storytime, which has 60 stories in it, how do you make that catalog work for the parent and the child so that your favorite brands come to the front, that the stories are there based on your reading ability or your age or what other children like you liked, things like that we, we can do. Um, uh, Newsround, you know, is, is, a, is a hugely interesting place. Uh, we've just rebuilt the website, so you know, start to think about how you tailor that based on your age, or is the child at school? Or are you at home? Are you doing your homework? What age are you? What are your passions and interests? Changing things like that. Um, I mentioned a little bit about games earlier. We're definitely looking at what trends. So absolutely, while we're not going to build Fortnite, you start to look at what makes Fortnite interesting, and you sort you look at those needs. What needs is it meeting? Um, and how do we build those into our games? So those, those audience needs, what, what, what drives a kid to, to love and experience at every age is a really key part of, of what we do. So games for five to seven-year-olds, we look at very much about instant gratification. Things are easy to pick up. There are clear rewards. They're really fun. They're slightly quirky and funny. And when we're, we're commissioning games, we say these are the things that this, this game much, must, must make a child feel. We're not going to tell you what to build, what the story needs to be, what it looks like, but these needs are, are really key to us. When you move a little bit older, kind of eight, nine, ten, it's about mastery. How does that child feel they've, they've got really, really good at something? How are they going to get that real kind of feeling of fulfillment, which might not be as instant? It's a different, it's a different thing, but again, the, the games we do have to tick those boxes. They'll do it in a different way to Fortnite or to Minecraft, but those needs are the same regardless of your budget. So we're just doing the best we can with our budget, but always kind of going back to those core needs. And, and I think the, the thing with personalization as well is it's both a massively exciting challenge and also a massive pain in the bum. Because, you know, if, if you're Tesco or Amazon, personalization is far easier because they just sell you stuff. Yeah. Whereas what we're, you know, we're looking at now and going, okay, if, if I'm an iPlayer and, you know, I, I'm watching a program, how can it possibly tell me what's going on in Newsround? And, you know, if, if you think of the size and scale of the content that the whole BBC does, not just children's, mm -hmm. How do you then deliver a personalised journey through whatever that is? And, and do we only do it around programmes? Can we actually send you from a programme into an app, you know, through a, a voice proposition or something like that? The, the sheer amount of scale of the entire BBC, because it can't just be a personalised children's experience, because you might like Planet Earth. Or, you know, you, you might want to watch Strictly. So we've got to take into account the entire beast. Mm -hmm. um, so it's both exciting and a nightmare. I bet, I bet. Um, we're going to go to some questions. Um, I've got one to start off. Um, it's about virtual reality. Mm. Where, I mean, it's a corporation thing rather than a, just a children's thing, but you know, wh what, what do you think virtual reality offers the children's area? Um, and specifically, how you could sort of manage that? So the BBC has got a VR lab. There's some really interesting things. I don't know if you've seen the civilizations work that we're doing. So there's some, some really, really good work going on. My nervousness is around putting a headset on a child. Um, I've yet to see the research that says it's safe to do so. So creating experiences which would encourage children to repeatedly or for long periods of time put a headset on is something I'd be nervous about us doing. At this point, you know, we're looking closely, I think Dubbit are, are leading the work and kind of keeping an eye on, on how this shapes up. But at the moment, it's not something we'd, we'd probably add to our mainstream product portfolio. Um, doesn't mean we're gonna, you know, we'll keep looking at it. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's a bit difficult. Augmented reality. Much more interesting. So we uh, commissioned five prototypes over the last year, looking at augmented reality and how you can use that to bring kids close to characters that they love and you know bring their favourite characters into their home. So we created these prototypes and put them into children's homes for a fortnight, gave them an iPad and uh, an, an Amazon Echo, and just got them to play with some of these things. And 
really, really great results, really interesting. Games that kind of get children away from the screen being there, get them moving around the house, talking to characters, talking to their friends and their family. There's some great opportunities there. So I think augmented reality for us mm. is going to be interesting, as is voice as well. We're definitely starting to, 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 to play around with that. And I think you'll see some BBC children's stuff on voice devices okay. soon. Very interesting. I think a lot, a lot of those things, sorry, Charles, a lot of those things around new bits of tech and new bits of, it, it's working out at what moment do you enter the industry? Because, you know, we all know what happened to 3D telly. It turns out nobody bought one and it kind of, everybody did jazz hands about it for quite a long time and they just didn't catch on. Um, and there will always be people who are more agile than us. So, you know, if you look at they Snapchat. Be. Yeah, because they should be. And, 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 we, and what we used to do in sport and I think what we, what we do in children's is we kind of, when we might be quite slow to move, but when we move, we take a giant step and then we might be quite slow again and then we have to take another giant step. Because if we just go and chase everything, We'll end up doing nothing and probably wasting quite a lot of money. So it's yeah. a real yeah. difficult balance around just knowing what's going to have proper impact. And just to contextualise what Lucy was saying there, you know, just about her anxiety around children and their response um, to VR, because um, obviously one of our, you know, our, our key, key things is about child protection. And I don't know how many people here have, how many people have experienced a VR session? Yeah, a lot of people. And I, I did one in Edinburgh a couple of years ago, and some of you may have done this, where you, you're essentially an astronaut and you're outside the ship and you're trying to mend something. And I screwed it up. And as a result of screwing it up, I was detached from this spaceship in the middle of space and floated off. You've only just in, got back, haven't you? I've only just got back. Um, <laughs> you, held, you held your breath well. And uh, <laughs> I floated back into infinity, never to return, essentially, you know, cast adrift. And the feeling of desolation when this happened to me stayed with me for about three days because it was so visceral and it was um, so emotional and so catastrophic that literally I kept waking up and going, oh, God, I'm, you know. And, and it was really different from watching Lost in Space, for example, yeah. because I was there and I could see the ship going on. And I think just using that as an example, we've got to be, as Lucy says, very, very careful, just in an emotional way. There's the Stu point of view, which is let's not put our finger in every single pie, but there's also the duty of care yeah. issue as well. Yeah, I think I focus very much on the kind of the, the lower end of our age group. Thinking about that older end, the opportunities around understanding the world, seeing places, experiencing things that you might not get to experience in, in the real world. Absolutely huge, really interesting. Open heart surgery, just not for the little all those things, amazing. Some questions. Lady on the aisle there. Hiya, hello. Usual question from me. Opportunities for small companies um, to get their foot in the door. Um, I mean, what makes a, a big brand? Um, and where are there opportunities for experimentation and trying out new things? Hello, Kath. Um, I think, as we mentioned, um, in terms of things like the buzz, there's, there's, there's still short-form opportunities. Um, but they, they, they have to be quite specific, as I say, kind of quite low-cost, high-volume. Um, as you know, we're absolutely committed to our My Life documentaries, and we're hoping that we'll be able to make more of those for the 13 to 16-year-olds. This is a, for, for people who don't know, this is a, a channel-defining series on CBBC, um, which is essentially looking at extraordinary kids and letting them tell their own stories. And... To Stu's point about public service and how seriously we take that, this is a, a brilliant example, actually, of, of a show that both is massively public service but hugely popular. And that kind of wonderful expertise that you all have in making very entertaining content with a public service spine, I think, is, is, is always good to underline. But 
we love those shows, Kath, because they're, they're, they're there for, for smaller companies. They're always 50K for a half hour. Um, sometimes we take 15-minute ones if the, the, the child in question, the story isn't quite so expansive. But I would say that's the, those are a really good way to get your foot in the door. And I think in terms of what makes a big brand, you know, it's a number of different things. I mentioned before about personalities. There's no doubt that, you know, if you bring us a key kind of piece of kind of presenting talent who, who you know, he's got the personality, he's got a passion, someone like Steve Backshall, he can literally take the nation's children along with him as he goes into the jungle or goes on an underwater adventure. Um, these people are quite rare. So often if you find that personality, as I say, you can build some format points around them. And, you know, I think that they, they're key in building a big brand. I think, again, with certain performers, uh, I know this happens more on grown-up TV necessarily than kids, but, you know, if you've got a drama, um, you know, that's, that's got a great part for, for a key bit of talent, we're always keen to know about that. Obviously, we use very famous people in our animation in terms of voices, so it's useful to mention them as well. Um, but, you know, by and large, we're quite good as well at just seeing the opportunities. And if you've just got one good idea, all of the, the teams are great at looking at that and helping you build it into a, into a bigger brand. Um, but I think, I think my life, especially for a very small company, are probably the mo most obvious route. Okay, thank you. More, another question? We've got about five minutes, so we need to be quick. Thank you, sorry, I'll get to you in a minute. Hello. Um, could you talk a bit more about what you meant by mood management? Is that the same sort of thing as emotional literacy that I've heard some teachers talking about? Um, well, I, I don't know if you... Did you see Daydreaming on the iPlayer? Oh, it's blissful. Have a look at it. It's, um, I've been playing it quite a lot because we're always so busy when I get home. Cause, partly because Olivia Coleman's voice is, is just so soporific that we know we've had feedback from, from both colleagues and, and parents saying that it's a lovely thing to play to their children at the end of the day because it just calms them down, basically. So it, it was an experimental thing and not everyone loved it when they first saw it and um, we didn't know how it would work, but it's sort of mindfulness, essentially. Um, so because that was an interesting experiment and it really paid off, um, Kay commissioned that and, as I say, no one really knew what it was going to be like and it's, it's this exquisite thing. So. It's definitely a, a proper mood management thing for children. So I think we were just thinking, what else could we do in that space? I think it, sort of, it taps into the psychological need states that we know kids have. So whether or not it's, it, it's ability or independence, and we know how that changes across, across as they sort of get older. And, and on the, the daydream is actually a really good example. And I, I was the one who didn't like it when I first saw it, by the way. Charles, just be nice. Um, and, and I was blatantly wrong because it did really well. And sometimes you look at things and you go, I, I, I don't quite get it. And then it does really well and you have to put your hand up and go, turns out I was wrong about that. Um, but it's knowing what psychological need states, your, your type of content, whether it's an app or program or whatever, is really feeding and really playing into. And that's a, a key part for us when we're looking at basically what we're going to do, whether it's long form or, or short form or, or any of the other bits we do. There's a question down here, lady. Thank you. Hello. Um, I was wondering in terms of, obviously, you're talking about like different genres and trying to be across the board, but in terms of the types of topics that um, BBC will hopefully deal with with children. So Michael Rosen was talking about that boundary of um, what you can show to children and trying to 
kind of help them understand about maybe dealing with kind of harder topics. Um, so what, what, what's kind of the BBC's mission on that in helping kids understand, obviously, social media and everything they, they've got to deal with as a, as a young child? Um, do you want to talk about Own It? Yeah, I, I think fundamentally we take it really seriously. Um, and, and, you know, on the back of all of our staff passes is the word trust. And we know that we're tr more trusted than anybody else. We're, are we the most trusted media brand in the world? Maybe. Um, so and, and I think we, we take that really seriously. And alongside that, it enables you to tackle things that probably nobody else could tackle and have real gravity around it. And one of the things we, we launched right at the start of the year, just at, actually before I arrived, was the Own It website. We're really sort of trying to push forward in, that, in the space around what are the challenges that kids face. Um, in the world of the internet and social media and everything else, but trying to help them along, not trying to do it, you know, as sort of here is a lesson, children, about what happens in the world of social media. Because I think the world of social media is brilliant, as is, and I think the internet is an amazing thing. We have to be really careful not to go, oh, it's all bad, and go on there and everything will, will turn nasty. Um, so we have to, you know, be really careful about things like making sure they're educating children, but in a peer to peer way. Um, but also, you know, just sitting alongside Cheryl in the commissioning rounds we did earlier in the year is, you know, how do we work in sustainability into our narratives? And it, 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 it was a real eye-opener for me, actually, to be in the commissioning rounds alongside Cheryl because we're taking the real sort of level of detail around, you know, okay, is there a character in there that could talk about sustainability? Because we know that we've got a public sort of mission to serve rather than just going, can we just make this program as, as popular as possible? So for me, that, that was a great lesson around, actually, how can you do it... Um, almost by you know, going left at the lights and over the roundabout and, and making it an intrinsic part of your content rather than just sort of doing jazz hands about, right, we're here to save the world. So it's a real, um, real subtle way of doing things. I think we'd also should probably mention Newsround here. Newsround mm. plays such an important role in the UK in yeah. helping children understand the world and giving parents the tools to help children understand the world. And what we're looking at in, in so the Newsround website's growth is how we make that space for children to have a conversation. Mm. So we give you lots of tools, we tell you how to, how, how to have conversations, but we're trying to create space where you can actually talk to other children a bit more in a, in a, in a safe, moderated way about these issues, because they are scary, and I think we need to help them understand them, and I think Newsround does that. And that well. clip that you saw um, was Newsround um, kind of a, a year on for the Manchester bombings, and they did, as you know, brilliant, brilliant things uh, in terms of talking to kids and contextualising that as Lucy says, but on top of that, I mean, um, you know, I think there's, all, there's almost no subject that we, we don't try and address. And even on CBeebies, you know, with my family, there's a family who, who's, whose mum had died and the dad was talking to the kids about that bereavement process. And, you know, again, we got a lot of correspondence from other families who, who found that enormously helpful. And similarly on CBBC, again, going back to the My Lives, there's a lot of children on there who might have been bullied, who really bravely come forward and talk about that and share their experiences and offer, you know, kind of tips to other children who might be in a similar situation. And we really hope going forward, because again, we genuinely feel there is a gap between 13 and 16 year olds that, that on the iPlayer with our, our new content for, for those teenagers, because you just don't see ordinary teenagers on the BBC. And we want to show teenagers in all their glories thinking about 
kind of passing their driving test, getting through exams, getting their first job, and what's it like competing with people of your own age to be the best at that job, and um, how, how do you go around an interview, and um, you know the mysteries of sex, how can we cope with them? And, and we really want to get that, those messages out, and we're not scared that other people haven't done that or haven't, maybe haven't done it particularly well, and, and we really want to address those issues. We, I think we've kind of got like a moral and social responsibility to do that better than anybody yeah. else. Okay. So, time's up, I'm afraid. Oh, with one, one last question, sorry. Thanks very much. Um, given the funding constraints, for those of us that are developing big, ambitious international drama series for the older age group that you're just beginning to touch, um, do you have an approach to working with potential funders in the, the guise of Apple, Facebook, Netflix? How do you manage that process? And, you know, can you talk about any kind of business approaches that you have to it, please? Yes, um, well, it's really important for us and we, we, we're aware that, in a sense, with the explosion of new ways of kids consuming, that their, um, you know, their appetite for sophisticated content is growing all the time. So, in, especially in the drama space, where, as you mentioned, you know, you have got the Amazons and the Apples and Netflix um, with really ambitious, glossy products. So we absolutely want to be in that space and in order to afford the best things um, co-productions um, are and will increasingly, I think, become very important. Um, I think I, it's true to say, without giving specific details, because this is with some of these um, big companies, there have been a few teething problems because we've not negotiated them with them before and we have specific needs as the BBC. Um, but the appetite um, for those relationships to grow and become easier um, to do and, and essentially, you know, negotiate in a shorter time is very big. We really want to get it right. So at the moment, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a bit of a case-by-case -case basis. What's the show? What's the volume of the show? Um, what's, oh, got okay. but, but, but yes, in answer to your question, we're not scared of big projects and we do want to work um, with other broadcasters and platforms. So I'm going to have to wrap this up. More questions available to, obviously, my, my guests here and obviously their colleagues um, at the one-to-ones at the workstation. So they start at 12.15. If you go to where you registered for the CMC, you go in there. It's a first-come, first-served basis. So, you know, get in there quick, get in line, uh, and then ask them questions obscure, as interesting as you like. I'm sure they'll be very Thank polite. You. Thank um, you. Thank you for coming. Thank you.